Chapter 12, The Tree of Life. At this point, let's take a stroll through the scriptures to understand just exactly what the dragon's nemesis, the tree of life, is. We'll begin by examining some words uttered by the Hebrew Messiah in Luke 10.24. He says, Therefore I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. What exactly was it his disciples saw and heard? Could it be they heard the words of life or immortality? Again, his words were actually his father's words as he was speaking for his father Yahweh. That's why he's referred to as the Word in John 1. He was the father, his father's spokesman, which he admitted to being in John 8:26, where he said, I speak to the world those things which I've heard from him, that is his father. Those things or words of the Creator are one aspect of the tree of life, but there's much more, which we'll get to shortly. First, let's read two more statements of many by the Messiah. And this is eternal or immortal life, that they may know you, that is his Father Yahweh, the only true God, and Yeshua HaMashiach, that is the Hebrew Messiah whom you have sent. That's John 17, 3. And in 1 John 5.13, he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of Yahweh, that is Yeshua, which means that Yahweh saves, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of the Creator. Those two scriptures point out a huge problem with our modern scriptures. Unfortunately, the adversaries had their way with them, replacing the set-apart or exclusive names with pagan ones, which we'll see in the next chapter. Here we will move on to another very shocking aspect of the tree of life, which the evil ones hid from us. But with a little spiritual sight, or light, that the truth is right there, plain as day. That said, a theme rather predominant in the scriptures is marriage and family. Those two are lifted up to a level of great importance when we see the penalties invoked for disregarding instructions concerning them. For instance, adultery was punishable by death. That extreme consequence for disregarding the sanctity of marriage shows the extreme importance our creators place upon that institution. In consideration of the family concept, most Christians refer to the creator as father. But doesn't being a father require children? But then much of Christianity believes there is a son called Jesus, which existed in the beginning. That idea contributes to the concept of a spiritual family. But honestly, how can a son exist without a mother? Aren't children formed and birthed from a womb that is a mother's womb? To make a case for a son or children without a mother is absurd. They would be simply creations or clones. So what do we do with this conundrum? Either there was no father and son in the beginning, or there was a mother. We can't have both. We are also told there is no mention of a mother in the Bible scriptures, but is that correct? Well, starting at the beginning, Genesis 1 shows a conversation between at least two persons. We see it in the plural language, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. It goes on to say of that plural entity, they created man both male and female. Well, many believe the plural language is referring to the father and son, but again, you cannot have a father and son without a mother. 
And doesn't the fact mankind was created both male and female demand the two creating be male and female also? After all, it does say in our image and likeness. You say the Bible doesn't support that conclusion anywhere, but you'd be wrong. It does, very clearly. We find a female entity, Hokmah, very plainly addressing her children right there in Proverbs. Proverbs 8 uses very strong and clear language supporting Genesis. Unfortunately, the translators buried this shocking truth by erasing her name. Instead of allowing her name to be proclaimed, they reduced her to an aspect of thought and or reasoning called wisdom, which is just a function of the mind. But looking closely at her words, uh, by the way, Proverbs 8 is all in the feminine text, it's very clear she's not only a female, but a wife and mother. We're told in Proverbs 8.22 that she was the first of Yahweh's creations of old, apparently before the angels and certainly before the earth and mankind. Besides, it's impossible to create wisdom without the one creating it already being wisdom and or wise. Secondly, verse 30, at least the last part, tells us that she frolicked and danced or flirted before Yahweh. An aspect of thought and reasoning certainly does not frolic and flirt. The first part of verse 30, she also says she was beside him as a master craftsman when he created the earth. Right there is the shocking proof of the ones creating man and woman in their image were. But even more shocking and amazing is her words, He who finds me finds life, i.e. immortality, and favor with Yahweh. In other words, she literally is the tree of life. Everything in this physical world is a type or physical copy of the spirit realm. The physical woman is a copy of the spirit woman. When a woman is in her younger years, she ovulates or produces eggs, and if they do not get fertilized by a male sperm, they're flushed out and die. But if fertilized, they become a fetus in the mother's womb and are eventually born. Well, the same thing is true in the spirit realm. Only we, that is mankind, are the eggs in our spirit mother. If we are fertilized by the male sperm, which is Yahweh's spirit, we become fetuses in our mother's spirit mother's womb. Then, when we are born, that is born again from above, we are born into spirit bodies. In fact, that's exactly what the Hebrew Messiah Yeshua was trying to tell Nicodemus about being born again. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. He goes on to say, like the wind. Being born of Hokmah is to literally be born into the spirit world as spirit children of Yahweh and his wife, Hokmah, our mother. Looking into the meanings of the Hebrew letters of her name, we find even more eye-popping proof of who and what Hokmah is. Those letters are Chet, Kaf, Bet, Dalet, and Hay. <clears throat> Depending upon whose spelling we accept, Chet means chamber, while calf means to cover, Dalit means door, and or pathway, and hay means window and or to reveal. But what really speaks volumes is the middle letter. That letter is bet, which means sukkah, tabernacle, tent, small dwelling, and can also be rendered womb. True understanding is, of words, of course, is no doubt the key to hokmah and immortality. But mixing our worship of the true names and titles with pagan names and titles, 
we can be sure we are not going to find the tree of life and or immortality. Since the Garden of Eden, everything has been a cursed mix of good and evil. Consequently, the door of to the tree of life has been closed except for a brief couple openings, one at Mount Sinai in Deuteronomy 30, and again in the first century, John 8.51, and of course, now. So say hello to our spirit mother Hokma, the tree of life. I'd like to end this chapter with one last admonition from her in Proverbs 7.2, where she says, Keep my commandments and live. That is, be immortal. <laughs>